Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 62 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That's Mr. Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob. Hello there. <laughs> you really had me go. You had me like all worked up there. I didn't know what was coming down the pike. I know it, it seemed like a very, uh, you know, very generic, but yeah. it wasn't. And, and, and I don't know, maybe I'll try it again. I mean, maybe you won't get this. Uh, I don't uh-huh. expect any of our listeners to get this, but I'm going to uh-huh. do it anyway. Uh-huh. Hello there. Now, you may say, where's that from, Rick? Because I know how you like to bring tight yeah, things into I know. The, There's got to be some connection going well, on. Well, I'm glad you asked, Bob, because uh, we are covering today um, the Invaders Annual Number 1. Uh, we, we've had requests for quite some time to, when are you going to do an Invaders story? And here we are. We're doing our first Invaders story. Bob, what year did did the invaders annual number one uh, Ooh, debut god i rick was it 75 no bob no, no. i don't know Gosh. 74 76 do you do, do, you do any kind no, of work for it Come i don't i don't 75 is a good guess because it, i mean the invaders series came out in yeah. number one came out in 1975 but no yeah, yeah. 77 hey you can google all right no no see i'm looking at the I'm looking at the bottom of the you know the first page but the thing is i got to put on my reading glasses to be able to see print that small and oh. so you know it's it's a, it's it's like a war within myself understood yeah. yes 1977 now bob what was the top grossing movie in 1977 this oh. is a layup it's easy uh it, 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 is is it uh star wars yes <laughs> how'd you go in there for a minute though, i did I? I was like oh my god he's struggling <laughs> yeah so 1977 the yeah. number one grossing movie was star wars episode four a new yeah. hope yeah and when obi-wan kenobi was in the uh tatooine desert and uh scaring off the sand people yeah. He came across a small robot by the name of R two D two, and what did Obi Wan say when he came across? Did he say, "Oh, hello there"? He did. <laughs> now, wow! Now you might say that's an obscure quote. I was well, going to say that. Yeah, uh, it really isn't because um, when they made the prequels, the uh, for the second one, Attack of the Clones, uh-huh. Episode two, yeah. Um, there was a scene where the, a younger Ben Kenobi, uh-huh. um, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going after, oh gosh, what was that? Uh, robot, uh, general Grievous, general Grievous. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right. And he, mm-hmm. and he jumps and he lands down behind general Grievous and his uh-huh. troops. And he yeah. says, Hello there. <laughs> and people lost their mind. They're like, oh, that's a throwback to when he wow. said hello there to R2-D2. I got to tell you, I never, I never caught that. Yeah. Well, hey, 
yeah. I had to come up with a new hello today. So yeah. I, wow. I went wow. with that. Folks, you get your money's worth. Ah, especially is... with the with the new Obi Wan show coming out, right? Ah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. The pipeline. So I think I think us comic geeks, many of us are also Star Wars fans. Yeah, there'll be some hello of theirs in there as well. I, you know what, I, if I was a betting man, yeah, I would place a wager that there might be a hello there in the uh-huh. in the series. In there, yeah, Ian McGregor is going to come back and do his best uh, version of uh, Anthony. Was it Sir Anthony? Guinness? Yes, right. Yes. Um, So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, All right, Bob, we've got a lot going on. So I did mention we're going to be doing Invaders Annual Number 1, which had a cover date of August 1977, came out in June 14th of 1977. So Star Wars A New Hope has only been out for a few weeks at that point. Um, This is a... this is a really cool story. We'll get into it in a moment. Um, so, Bob, one of the, uh, the creators on the Invader series at this time mm-hmm. was an artist um, by the name of Frank Robbins. Yep. Now, Bob, you know, in our Facebook group, right? We've yep. had this Facebook group for about a year and a half now. Yeah. You know, we have over 4,000 uh, diehard Captain America comic book fans in the group. Um, and there are a few things that we as moderators in the group have to be aware of when Mm -hmm. they, when they hit, right. Yeah. What would you say those three things that we just, it's a red flag. Yeah. Oh, hydrocap. Hydrocap is definitely one. Yes. Yep. And, and Frank Robbins. Yeah. Oh yeah. That always, uh, gets, gets a response. And then uh, the third one is Rob Liefeld. Yes. Yeah. Right. So whenever these three things pop up, we always know it's there's there's some people out there who love them, and some people out there that just absolutely creates a visceral reaction. Yeah. All right, Bob. I got to vent a little bit here. All right. So we had on uh, the show a couple episodes ago. We had a guest, right? And it was uh, Mr. Brian Polito. Mm-hmm. And what did he start and end the uh, interview with, right? He started and ended with, with something that he wanted to, to make a comment about. Well, he, he definitely said how much he enjoys the group, Rick. And, and one of the things that he enjoys most about it is that it's, it's a fun group, man. It's a positive group. Exactly. It's a positive group. And that it, it is something that stands out from a lot of other comic Facebook groups out there, right? Mm-hmm. So here's why I want to vent about Bob. Uh, we have made it very clear when people join the group, you have to answer certain questions now and make sure they realize that, you know, look, this group is about celebrating Captain America comic books, not tearing things down. And, and I would say 90 nine percent of the group is all follows that there's always that one maybe two percent that it's this syndrome bob it's like you know they have the keyboard in front of them and it's can't resist keyboard and share thoughts like you know like 
like they can't stop themselves, you know? And so right around the time when the Brian Polito, we were, we were chatting with him and he was going on and on about how positive group was. We had, as far as, you know, I do these daily flashbacks. I do, you know, two a day of what Captain America issue came out that month. And I take us through, you know, the last 40, 50 years. Right. And it just so happened that Captain America volume two, number one, which was the first Rob Liefeld issue came out. And I even had to put in there you did as a reminder, keep it positive people. And then there's all the, and there are, there were a lot of positive that people were like, yeah, I love this, you know, mm-hmm. and I was excited about it. And, and, and it was a, it was a changed things. It was exciting. It was, you know, whatever. And then there's all these passive aggressive comments. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, right. yeah. It, no it, like they, yeah, 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 exactly. They, right. they were like, no comment. No, you just made a comment. That's the comment. Yeah. That's a comment, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, um, you know, they, they have to say something like, well, you know, I don't know. Like there's, well, there is no feet in here, so he's safe, you know, or right. you know, like, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Right. And it's kind of like, guys, please just, you know, you don't have to comment, like yeah. resist the urge, have some self-control, just yeah. allow people to enjoy what they like and move on. Yeah. You know, right. I'm, look, I, I, I get worked up about this. Know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's yeah. just, you know, we have a lot of creators in our group, a lot of creators in our group. Some are active and some aren't. Some are just members, but they, but like Brian said, I, they like to go in there and just scroll and, you yeah. know, and get that daily, uh, you know, yeah. endorphin, right. And, and just, you know, nostalgia and enjoy these things. And, yeah. you know, s- and it's a public group. So other creators can see this as well. And you know what else is going on at the same time? I've been trying to reach out to Rob Liefeld because I'd love to have him as a guest on the podcast. Yeah. I'd love to talk to him during this 25 year anniversary of when volume two launched. I'd love to get his thoughts on what it was like and why he chose Captain America. He had a choice. You know what I mean? Like, what was it about Captain America that appealed to him? Yeah. You know, what was, uh, what was exciting about it? What were some of the changes that he wanted to do? If he could do something different, what would he do different? If he could, um, you know, when he looks back on it, is it something that, you know, is, you know, it was only six issues in, in the pantheon of 80 years of Captain America. What was he proud of? What would he change? I would love to talk with him, but guess what? Um, if he, I'm Rob Liefeld yeah, yeah. and it's a public group and I go on there and I see these passive aggressive comments, you know what I mean? I'd be like, I, why would I put myself through that? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though 99% of our, our, our group would be interested in hearing his comments on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, as you said, I mean, there is, there are lots of things. I mean, different creative teams, different, different pencilers, inkers, colorists, you know, writers, but there's something all of us will like, some of us don't like. Exactly. Uh, right. And so the, one of the things I, you know, I love about the group is we try really hard and, and I go, I got to give credit to a, a lot of folks, uh, 
who are, you know, they're not admins, they're not moderators, but they make an effort to, to post something, you know, every day, every other day, something like to give yeah. a variety of content. And so if you don't like something, just scroll through to the next thing, because every day there's something, there's a bunch of new stuff on, exactly. on, in the group to, to sort of eye candy that you could, you're going to find something that you like, and, you know, engage on that. Yep. And and I and I'm sorry I wasted a few minutes on that because it really wasn't worth the time. I mean, and again, 99% of the people on the group, you know, are respectful. They understand, and and they keep in mind what would Cap do, mm-hmm. right? What would Cap do? Yeah, you know, he he was just like, you know, not something for me. I just scroll by, no big deal. And and so that brings us to today's artist, Frank Robbins. I know there are a bunch of people out there who just don't like his art, yeah. but there are some people out there who just you know, that's what they grew up on and they yeah. really like it, really enjoy yeah. it. So we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bob, so we had, um, I guess it was episode 57, you know, that came out, um, I don't know, like six, five or six weeks ago. Uh-huh. And we did uh, Tales of Suspense 93, 94, which was the introduction of MODOK. Yeah. Um, a lot of people uh, got a lot of, got a lot of listens. A lot of people, uh, you know, love those tales of suspense um, stories. Um, but we got an interesting question from one of our patrons, one of our loyal patrons, uh, regular listeners, um, Mr. Josh Van Dyne. And I thought I'd, I'd share his, uh, his, his question. He called in and left this message. Hey, Rick and Bob, this is Josh. I was just wondering, considering Modoc's introduction to the cat section of Tales of Suspense. Do you still consider him to be a Captain America villain or more of an Avengers villain now? Thank you. Bye. Well, thanks for the question, Josh. Thanks for calling in. Um, and by all, by all means, if you, if you have a question about any of the episodes and you want to leave a message, uh, just go to our anchor page, um, and there's a, a link for it in our show notes. So you can always go there to, to leave a, you can leave up to a, a 60 second message and uh, maybe we'll play it on a future episode. Uh, so Bob, what do you think about MODOK? Is, do you consider him a Captain America villain or do you consider him more of an Avengers villain? You know, uh, neither Rick, um, you know, I think there, you know, when you look at a guy like the Red Skull, I mean, he's clearly a Captain America villain. Uh, but I think Modoc is, you know, uh, he, although he was introduced in, in Tales of Suspense as a, as a villain that uh, Captain America fought, I think he's become sort of a broader personality in the Marvel Universe, right? And so, uh, I, I, and I like that. I like, I like to see, and I'd like to see more of it, frankly, uh, villains from that are associated really with one mythos sort of popularized more in another and uh, and i like those crossovers and so i think we've seen a few of those over the years with modok in particular uh, and i think that's a good thing so rather than avengers villain captain america villain i like marvel villain hmm interesting take so uh and it has to do with because of the crossovers right because well after tales of suspense he he was in a couple of issues of captain america that was like the next time that he was involved um then he was in some some other avengers related series mm-hmm. right? right like iron yeah. man and captain marvel um hulk uh stuff like that and and then there was some avengers crossovers and then of course he's been in the captain america series uh, off and on um 
So, so, so you're saying if he, he's more of a Marvel villain. Um, I don't know if I agree. Really? I could see an argument for being an Avengers villain because he's Captain America's an Avenger and some of the other series that he's appeared in, right? With Captain Marvel and Iron Man and, and you could even consider Hulk, right? So, um, and then of course he's been in uh, Avengers as well. So I, I could see an argument either one. I don't know if I would go with Marvel and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I'm going to name a villain that has had plenty of crossovers over the years. And I think this villain is definitely associated with a particular group, even though worldly right. known yeah. and has a ton of crossovers. And that would be Mr. Victor Von Doom. I knew you were going to say Von Doom. I knew it. Yeah. Don't you consider Von Doom a Fantastic Four villain? I, you know, I don't anymore. I, you know, I think for years he was, but I think, uh, I think the, the doc has moved, moved beyond that. Uh, and so uh, I, I do, I think he's transcended that a bit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree that he's transcendent, right? I don't yeah. disagree that he's outgrown yeah. uh, the Fantastic Four. I still see him as the Fantastic Four's number one villain. And that's possible true. But what I'm saying is like, if you saw Dr. Doom pop up in a, uh, let's say, I don't know, uh, you know, another, you know, key series. X-Men. All right. Let's X-Men. Yeah. Let's say popped up in X-Men. All the X-Men are kind of weird, but like X-Men, you wouldn't be like, what the hell? What's he doing there? Would you? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he he has appeared in yeah. a couple of X-Men, um, but but yeah, I kind of like I mean, listen, when he popped up in the um, Mark Wade, Ron Garney, right, mm-hmm. with the, that we did that a few. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think we covered that. I mean, that was back in 19. I think it was 1996. Right. So it was. Episodes thirty-eight and forty, when we we're uh, covering the the end of the of the, um, the Ron Garney, what Mark Wade era, uh, it was a little odd, right? Yeah. We're uh, and, and I'm not saying it was only odd because Steve Rogers had his shirt off when he was in Latveria <laughs> in his throne room. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> Yes, right, right. But didn't, I, didn't, didn't we both go, well, that's a little odd. Yeah. Right. Right. That, right. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, whatever it takes to, to um, get a shield. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's true. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I think another thing is, uh, you know, it's become more complicated in recent years, right? Because we always tend to think of, of you know, Earth 616. And now there's so many other sort of variant realities out there with you know characters like Gwenpool and uh and she's had her run-ins with Modoc, but it's a it's a different you know it's a different uh universe right mm-hmm. so I I mean I, I don't know I mean I can go either way Rick I'm not wedded to this all I know is to me he's mostly a Hulu character now that's so, true uh, good yeah, point miniseries and we've had that 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 wonderful little that wonderful little uh, uh Modoc miniseries that came out last year 
uh, written by what Patton Oswalt. And right. uh, I can't remember who the other uh, showrunner was for that, but it was a, it was a hilarious little uh, miniseries. So yeah, I don't know. Modoc has changed in my mind. Uh, so, so answer your question, Josh, uh, Bob's going to go with neither. I, he's a Marvel villain. I'm going to go with an Avengers villain. Um, I'm not going to say Cap. He didn't make our top 10 Cap villains not named mm-hmm. Red Skull. So, um, and I, I see him. I associate Modoc with AIM, and I associate AIM with Avengers villain. So, mm-hmm. so that, that's where I'm going. But yeah. thanks for the question. And, uh, and anyone else, if you've got a question, you want to call in or, or comment or something like that, uh, check out the link in our show notes. All right, Bob, should we get to it? Let's, we should. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I I want to say um, I want to I want to take a little bit of a note here when it comes to this invader story. So it's written by Roy Thomas. Now Roy Thomas in in you know the seventies basically was just a and 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 beyond, but he was just a wonderful writer for the. Uh, in the sixties too, um, for Marvel, he he wrote the Avengers for a long period of time and, and many other series as well. Um, and so he he was the one who created the Invaders with um, with uh, giant size Invaders number one, which basically there was that, and then it launched the series, which came out in nineteen seventy five, and he was the writer for that, and then this this annual. Um, so why are we doing this annual then? Uh, well, it's a pretty cool story. So back in Avengers uh, 71, which came out in December of 1969, there was this story where um, the Grandmaster and the Kang, the Immortal, had this battle and they they had their champions that fought for them different time periods and they took the avengers and put them back in uh, in in 1941 to fight um the invaders now they didn't call them the invaders back in avengers 71 because that that name didn't exist yet um in marvel continuity uh but they they fought captain america namor and the human torch um and so Roy Thomas wanted to basically in this annual uh, address this um, from the invaders point of view and like what led up to when they appeared because in Avengers, you know, obviously it was from the Avengers point of view. So he went and wanted to get uh, kind of create a, like an anthology. So there were five parts to this story. Um, there's something where they have like uh, 
almost like bookends the way he envisioned it. Right. So there's the, the first part and the last part of the story um, are told with all of them together. And then the, the middle three stories were broken down by individually. So you had the human torch, uh, Captain America and Submariner each have their three individual stories, and then they all meet at the end and have this one story. Um, it was kind of interesting because the the first part of the story is, is called OK Axis, Here We Come, which is a battle cry of the invaders, right? Um, and he, he thought, well, who else am I going to get to do the artwork on this first part? But the ones who have been doing the series, you know, uh, all during this time, which is penciler frank robbins and inker frank springer then for human torch uh, and also by the way bookend right um uh robbins and springer came back and did the uh, part five the, the name of that chapter is called endgame part two do you know why it's called endgame part two bob wasn't uh wasn't the avengers 71 uh story titled endgame you nailed it absolutely okay. uh so that's where those came in. And then the middle ones were just titled Human Torch, Captain America, and Submariner. Now, the other thing that Roy Thomas, who is also the editor, by the way, so he has some pull, right? He wanted to bring in artists that were associated with these characters back in the day. Now, he wanted to get Jack Kirby uh, to to do the Captain America story, but didn't work out. Jack was busy elsewhere. Um, he wanted to get a few others, but he ended up uh, for the Human Torch story. He got Alex Schomburg. Now, Alex Schomburg, for those who aren't old school, um, by the time this came out in 1977, he was in his 70s, Bob. Um, but he 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 had a long career, and he worked on many of the golden age stories um, that involved these characters. So uh, wonderful that he was able to, to bring Alice Schomburg back. In fact, Schomburg did this cover, um, which is really cool. And it's his first Marvel cover in like 30 years. So um, it was, it's, it's a real special treat in that regard. I think Um, it was, was it also his last cover for, for, for comics? You know, it's, it's a good question. I don't I know the it, answer to that. I think it was actually. I mean, I think he's done some other, he did some other work after that, but not not for comics. I think this well, might have been his last. I, I know we have a lot of Golden Age enthusiasts in our group mm-hmm. um, and they've been begging us to do an Invader story. So uh, maybe in the, the Facebook uh, comments, when we post this, you can let us know. Uh, great question, Bob. Uh, then the... Captain America story um, is penciled by Don Rico. So uh, Don, he had been back in the forties. He worked on these characters, but it was mostly anonymous mm-hmm. because in, in, in the forties, artists, writers, they, they weren't allowed to sign their names to their work. Um, but Don, he was a regular artist on cap. So that was cool having, you know, bringing him back. Um, And then for the Submariner, they had Lee Elias. Yeah. And he also, he worked on Submariner back in the forties as well, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, he was. Uh, and it was, it was, uh, I think like the post-war Submariner stories, but yeah, but yeah, he was back there too. So how cool is that? Right. I mean, Roy Thomas, um, just, you know, really ex- respecting and, and, um, uh, admiring his, his past, right. And bringing these characters, um, and the creators that, that worked on them to, to pull this story together. So it's a pretty cool story in that regard. Um, it's a piece of history. And so that's why we wanted to cover it. Yeah. It's a beautiful, I mean, this is a beautiful book. The, uh, the story's fun. The art's great. Uh, if you don't have a copy of this in your collection, shame on you. You gotta, you gotta get it. Do it this week. Yeah. So let's talk about the cover. So it's a, it is a, a very cool cover. So it's, it's the three of the characters that we just mentioned, Cap, Submariner, Human Torch, up going up against a, a bunch of, of Nazi soldiers. And uh, 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 what do they call this tank? A Panzer tank? That's a Panzer, yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, what, what do you think? They're in France? That's the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. They, uh, they're battling. Uh, and it says, I mean, there's so much on this cover, right? So yeah. uh, it, it's 50 cents, which was a big deal back in 1977, but it's a very thick book. It's extra pages. So buckle in kiddos this this may take a while um and it says king size annual all new block busting battle issue extra what do you meet are nazi smashing guest stars and it is approved by the comic code authority so you have that yeah i can't even imagine like i i don't i don't remember seeing this one on the rack i was i was like nine Mm -hmm. uh but man, oh man, I, I can't even imagine what this must have looked like. Pristine on the rack. Uh, and when you went there to get your comics to see this, that, I mean, I said a lot of the Invaders covers were great, you know, but, but this cover is just amazing. Yeah. Who, uh, man, can you imagine what this would go for uh, the original art on this cover? That's, that's, that's good. It's expensive. Um, all right. So it, we open it up and opening up the splash at the top, there's a, a little blurb here. It says, Captain America and Bucky, the Submariner, the original Human Torch and Toro. During the darkest hours of World War II, these five heroes have banded together as the invaders to battle the Axis powers to the death in the name of freedom. Stanley presents the invaders. And here we are. The chapter one says, okay, Axis, here we come. So we have uh, Cap, Submariner, and Human Torch, as well as uh, teenage sidekicks of Bucky and Toro. And they are running through a, it appears to be like a battlefield, right? And it says here, the Invaders, first annual and their most offbeat adventure ever. And there's a sign. It's nighttime. There's a sign that says, danger, unexploded bomb. And Cap's leading them and says, Let's go, guys. Nobody's going to stop this war and wait for us. A multi-star milestone in more ways than one. Roy Thomas, writer-editor Frank Robbins, and Frank Springer, illustrators, chapters one and five. Sam Cato, the colorist. Guess who the letterers were, Bob? Damn near everybody, Rick. It was darn, Bob. Oh, 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 man. Comics Code Authority, (laughs) my friend. (laughs) 
Archie Goodman was the consulting editor. So they're running through uh, in the next page. As the colorful quintet rush through the London streets, hot on the heels of the nightly Nazi blitz, they do not go unnoticed, either by the home guard, which are uh, carrying a, a stretcher right now of somebody who's been injured in the battle, or the stalwart defending troops, or even by the small ones who are the saddest victims of any war. And there's, uh, looks like a, a big brother and little sister hiding uh, beneath the streets, looking up. But tonight, the invaders have no time even for them. There's Cap. Well, there it is, Bucky, dead ahead. How can I miss it, Cap? Only one little question. How in blazes do we get to the top of Big Ben in a hurry to join the torch? And there it is. There's the Big Ben. Uh, and for those who may not know what the Big Ben is, uh, that's a, a very large clock tower. And human torches flying to the top. Nice point. He forgot to give us a hand. Have no fear, Captain America, for the human torch is not the only adult invader who can fly. And Namor comes up behind Cap and picks him up. Never said he was, Namor, and thanks. Hey, what about yours truly? You know what, old buddy? You talk a whole lot better than you listen. Oh, yeah. He did say the only adult invader, didn't he? I stand or float, corrected. And there's Toro, who is a teenage version of the Human Torch, uh, picking up uh, Bucky. But his arms are not on fire because he turned that part off so that he did not burn Bucky. And they're flying up to the top of Old Ben, and or Big Ben. And uh, I, I confused it with Obi-Wan, Old Ben. <laughs> You got Ben on the brain. Ben brain. <laughs> and uh, you you see the human torch who's reduced his flame because he's standing on the ledge moving uh, something. Uh, doesn't look like a, a minute hand or hour hand. He's moving something else. And Namor says, we're here, torch. Now I owe the mystery. Has it got anything to do with Spitfire? Why she, her father, and Dynamite took a powder on us? Who's Dynamite, Bob? I, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Dynamite! <laughs> that's yeah. JJ. Yeah, that's JJ. Yeah, yeah. I know that one. Yeah. 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 Negative cap in it. It's no mystery. I just didn't have time to fill in the rest of you before the blitz started. Now, if you'll excuse me a moment, I've got to take 10. And, oh, by the way, there's a little note here from uh, Roy Thomas. And it says, as the more astute Marvelite will immediately surmise, this annual epic takes place in between events depicted in Evaders 15 and 16. And then as he, he moves that, that little thing to where it says 10, Namor says, Shades of Neptune, the giant clock face swings outward. All right, Torch, what gives? Don't like playing follow the leader for a change, eh, Shield Slinger? Well, I don't blame you for being curious. Just remember what curiosity did to a cat, not to mention a lady named Pandora. But first, 
Come on in. Another moment, and the looming face of Big Ben closes once again, and it stands as it has stood since 1856. But inside... Easy with the body heat, huh, Turo? Sorry, Buck. I keep forgetting that I'm hot stuff. Well, that's one way of putting it. No bickering, boys. Now, Torch, let's hear it. Nothing special. I'm, I'm just the guy they contacted, that's all. They told me to make like 10 o'clock, then stand back. They? Who's they? You'll see in a second. Evening, sirs. Now, Bob, do you think these two uh, officers are British, American, or one of each? Like, what do you think? Uh, well, um, I, I suspect they're probably one of each, Rick. You know, I remember uh, in around this time, I was reading Captain Britain, right? And they always sort of had uh, Nick Fury with his counterpart. Uh, and so whenever we team up, whenever they're teaming up with, uh, with, with the British, there's always a, a sort of a counterpart to the American. So I, I don't know. All right. So I'll go with one British, one American. Yep. You're prompt, Torch. Your upbringing is a child, I suppose. I never was a child, Major. You know that. Just testing. You understand. Check. Invaders from left to right, Major Rawlings and Colonel Farrow, our new British and American liaison officers, respectfully. Yeah, there you go, Bob. You nailed it. Yeah. And may I add, respectfully, the Major and I have been studying you five gents for weeks now. Studying us? What? What do you mean? Why? Pipe yourselves aboard and we'll brief you. Actually, we've been advised by GHQ that there was a woman invader now. Bob, what's GHQ? General Headquarters. Yes, a Britain. And then, of course, there was the Union Jack chap, who I remember from the first war. I'm afraid Union Jack's gone back into retirement, sir. As for Spitfire, well, she's, shall we say, incommunicado right now. If you have any mission in mind, I think we five can handle it for you. We certainly hope so. You see, the Allied Command has thought for months that you invaders needed a regular liaison. Thus, the Colonel and I were appointed for the duration. This will be your regular rendezvous point. You're welcome here anytime, though the accommodations aren't exactly the Park Plaza. But now, about this first mission. Strange as it may seem, it's one that will send you back stateside. Hot dog. I've been wanting to go back there. I'm sure he's not sending us on a holiday, lad. Not exactly. Three master spies, masters of sabotage, now employed by the Axis, have reappeared on the East Coast. We know you have tangled with them before, though the cases have been marked classified till the war ends. And he pulls out this uh, file, right? And he's got pictures of the hyena and uh, Agent Access as well as shark. The police, even the FBI, have failed to capture them, so they've asked for your help. Good grief, Colonel. Sure, we know these clowns, but we put them away months ago. I polished off Agent Axis so fast, even the comic books didn't get the story. Now, Bob, I'm going to pause here. Okay. Pause for a fact. So, Agent Access, this actually is the first appearance of agent access. I think Roy is doing his nice little retcon here. Um, there's been like a mention of agent access before, but this is his first 
appearance in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Roy cleverly was like, yeah, he's existed. I've taken care of him, but he never made it into the comic books because I took care of him so fast. Right. There, I mean, that, the, there's that little backstory, right? And uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, the backstory was something along the effect that when when they sort of pulled that name back in in uh, Tales of Suspense, they were confused about whether or not he was a, a pre-existing <clears throat> uh, Marvel or timely character, but mm-hmm. in fact, he was a DC character, right? Uh, and they messed that up, uh, and, and so. Yeah, it's always sort of been hanging out there unresolved. So Namor says, but the so-called shark was only a small-time smuggler, not a spy. Right. And Hyena was just a modern-day highwayman with a laugh gimmick. Maybe that's what they were like before Pearl Harbor, gentlemen. I assure you, since then, they've each escaped prison under mysterious circumstances, and they're all in the enemy's employ, not just Agent Access. Three of you will find the particulars of your mission in this briefcase on your way back home. Hey, what about me and Bucky? Sorry, boys, but we're asking you both to stay here. The three of them? Yes, we need someone here to retain. Shall we say an invader's presence? Good for the old morale, don't you know? Well, long as you put it that way, how can we turn you down? Maybe we'll make it next trip, Hot Rod. Thus, minutes later, you know, Buck, I almost feel sorry for the poor slobs they're after. Repeat, almost. Yeah, after all, what chance did three little spies have against Cape Namor and the Torch? Of course, it's kind of funny how one spy popped up for each of them, but, well, they'll tell us all about it when they get back. If they get back, Bucky Barnes. Repeat, if. All right, chapter two, The Human Torch. The high-flying flagship of the Submariner is doubtless the fastest land, sea, or air vehicle on the planet Earth in 1942. It's technological of secrets unshared by the amphibian even with his fellow invaders. Thus, scant hours later, it reaches America's east coast, and from the modernistic interior, there flashes forth and downward like a living meteor, one of the most powerful and awe-inspiring figures of any age. And they're talking about the Human Torch. So he's flying down over this military hospital out of the Namor ship. Phew, traveling at supersonic speed messes up all your perceptive on things. We left London near midnight, flew across the Atlantic in just a few hours. Now I'm in upstate New York, and it's just striking midnight here. Well, that's something we few flying superheroes will just have to get used to, I hope. And there's a little editor's note there, Bob. And it says uh, from Roy Thomas, a later generation, of course, will refer to this phenomenon as jet lag. And it's no fun. And by the way, the art, as I mentioned before, is by Alex Schomburg. And they may make sure to point that out. Anyway, there's there's the destination I was given by Pharaohs and Rawlings. So he comes in through a window. Oh, who in the world? Sorry, nurse. Didn't mean to startle you. You're the human torch, aren't you? Well, now, 
Those comic books about me must be making me a household work. Still, I don't always look like a walking, talking Roman candle. And then he powers down. And at least I didn't burn my way in like they had me do in the funny pages. See? Look, Ma, no flames. Now, could you direct me to a, a Major Williams? Certainly. Glad you're here, Torch. Lord, but you make good time from England. You don't know the half of it, Major. Only thing is, uh, I don't know very much about why I'm here. And he's at a hospital bed where the, uh, the Major's standing over a, a injured soldier. Except it's got something to do with a thug-turned-spy called the Hyena. And then just then the patient wakes up. The Hyena? Where? Private Pierce is well enough to fill you in himself, Torch. Yes, I remember now. It was the Hyena. Don't push it too hard, soldier. Just relax and tell me what you can. I was on delivery detail right about dusk. My buddy and I were driving a truck full of military supplies, important stuff from one base to another. Too bad we, we have to miss the movie tonight, huh, Pete? You kidding? I saw it the last five times I hit the base. Hey, isn't that some kind of sharp curve ahead? Yeah. Funny, it seems sharper than I remember it. My imagination must be, holy cow, what? My God, the road, it just disappears into nowhere. Not into nowhere, but off a cliff. And sure enough, this this truck, this you know, supply truck is, is going right off a cliff. And it's weird, Bob. How would you describe the scene? Like what happened with the uh the road there? Um it just sort of disappeared, Brick, but there's a weird sort of cackling going on. It's true. And then um so the, the private goes on to explain what happened joe and me we were thrown clear but he broke his back against a tree they tell me i lived through it somehow blacked out a minute and when i woke up and who how would you describe this character that's over the private standing over him have you ever eaten lucky charms i sure have he looks a lot like the lucky charms leprechaun without the hat I totally disagree. <laughs> this guy looks like he'd be from your nightmares, not your cereal box. Well, that 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 amount of sugar is no joke, Rick. <laughs> well, so he's got this uh, huge open mouth smile, almost like he's cackling, and he's got fangs. Uh, he's got he's bald. He got pointy ears. Um, this is gray hair coming down from the side, like, uh, an ex very, very, very long sideburns. I don't know. Um, and he's wearing a, a green jacket with a brown belt around it. And then underneath is this yellow turtleneck. It definitely uh, is. A, yeah. It has a, that's a definite turtleneck, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but his maniacal face, it just, it's pretty scary looking. Hmm. That's right, fool. Look at me. I'm letting you live so that you can tell America, and especially the Human Torch, tell that you fell victim to the mad jest of the hyena. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fun. 
Hmm. He's as corny as ever. He'd rerouted the road, and you followed it till it was too late to put on the brakes. Yeah, but but that killer with his sharp teeth, that crazy, scary smile. He killed Joe, and he thought it was funny. Get him, Torch, for me. And the nurse comes up with an with a injection. Time for your shot, Private. Well, Torch, need you need to know any more? Nothing you can tell me, I'm afraid, Major. I'll start searching for the hyena tomorrow. No hurry. He won't strike again tonight, surely. I hope not. There are some invaluable medical supplies on their way to right now to this very hospital. And soon afterward, one of the hospital guards goes off duty and to the nearest bar. Yeah, that human torch will get that grinning buzzard sure as shooting. Hey, Sal, bring that Mickey Finns over here. Coming, soldier. And that Sal's a... Uh, a blonde uh, waitress, cocktail waitress, right? Mm-hmm. And she goes into the back room in the behind the bar, and she says, Hyena, I just got word from a loose-lipped dog face. The torch is here, all right, and he's gone to bed for the night. Then it's time for the hyena to strike again. Ha, and to think that only months ago I was merely a cheap crook. The axis pays much better. Oh, Sal was a, a, a spy. Uh, Bob? Sal, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, Sally, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know oh. what they say, Bob? Loose loose lips. Yep. Sink uh, medical supply trucks. Yeah, pretty much. That doesn't ride, Bob. Yeah. Later that same night, another army truck is rumbling across the unpaved back roads of upstate New York. If it does not reach its destination, men will die. And uh, they're driving past a sign. What's the sign say? Uh, Danger, falling rock. Yeah. And hyena means to see that it does not. All right, men, let's rock them to sleep forever. (laughs) (laughs) And there's these two bulldozers uh, just pushing um, boulders down the the cliff onto this truck. But... Who comes barreling out of the truck um, but one human torch? And he's flying out. He goes, and the driver says, an ambush torch, just like you said there might be. But those boulders, I'll handle them, friend. That's why I have a loose-lipped soldier spread the story. I was off to dreamland for the night. I figured when they got back to the hyena, he wouldn't be able to resist trying to make me look bad. So I flew to another base and hitched a ride back. See, I told you my flames would take care of these rocks. They may be a warm rain when they hit your truck, but that's about it. Now, you keep rolling along because it's time for the payoff. I see the hyena and a bunch of his Bundes-type buddies up there. And I've been wanting to pay my respects. So he flies up there and sure enough, there's these Nazis firing at him. But you know, the bullets don't hurt him. You know why, Bob? Because he's the human torch, Rick. Because they melt, Bob. Oh, yeah, that too. Right. Yeah. Face it, Fallops, you're through. Unless you've got a king-size fire extinguisher up your, up your swastikas. <laughs> oh, the language here. <laughs> Damn you, Torch. I'd never dreamed. You will, Smiley, after I lay hands on you. Like a cornered rat, the torture's craven arch foe runs into a nearby barn slamming the frail wooden door behind him. 
You're slipping, scavenger. You ought to know by now that you're not ancient Athens, and no wooden walls will keep the human torch out. I, good gravy, water. What happens, Bob? Apparently, water puts out the human torch, Rick. Yeah, because he goes head first into a water barrel. That's right, you flaming fool. Water. Water, which I positioned there earlier, for I guessed your little plan. Water will, which douses your android flames and leaves you totally defenseless. And the hyena's words are prophetic ones. For striking the vat full of water at full speed, the torch is stunned into unconsciousness as surely as if he were an unprepared high diver. And he's extinguished, laying on a, on a, platform and he's chained moments later oh i'm glad you're awake for the finale old friend you see this needle has been collecting a blood sample from you the fuhrer is aware of how your synthetic blood turned a young british woman into a speeding superheroine and he wants that ability duplicated many times over for the third reich but now i don't need you any longer so i'll spread the rest of your blood all over the and he goes to shoot at, at the human torch, but he's dissolving. What's happening? Uh, what do you mean? I, I, I feel so. You're vanishing right before my eyes. My bullet, it went right through you. What the? But the next second, the victorious yet strangely frustrated hyena is hurling his curses to an empty barn. That brings us to chapter three, Captain America. Only minutes after the human torch has arrived in upstate New York, a second colorful form descends from the momentarily hovering flagship of Prince Namor. The star-spangled figure, who now drops earthward, has been away from his homeland for a time. Yet, there is perhaps not another American outside the White House who is better known, unless you count the sky-reaching statue was there to greet him. Miss Liberty gives me a lump in the throat to see her again, even after just a few weeks. One day soon, I hope all the American troops based in England will see the same sight. And it's art by Don Rico, as we mentioned earlier. Next page. Tonight, though, I'm just supposed to meet an FBI agent who will fill me in on what Agent Axis has been up to. With luck, I'll put him away the second time as fast as I did the first. That shadow in the doorway. It must be him. And then coming forward is... a. Uh, a man in a trench coat. But his eyes are wide open, Bob. Looks a little like in a trance. Liberty must never sleep. Or else you'll sleep forever. So much for passwords. You're my contact, all right. Now, what's the scoop on Agent Access? Agent Access. Yes. Strange. He keeps staring straight ahead. Almost like a blind man or... I have no time for questions, Captain America, so listen carefully. Agent Access, who you have been called here to combat, is the only enemy operative who is in the employ, not of one Axis power, but of all three. I know that, though I never got a chance to learn why. It is because he was originally not one man at all, but three. The story of Agent Access begins nearly a year ago on an airplane bound for a top-secret conference somewhere in Europe. The three men, one German, one Italian, and one Japanese, were flying to confer personally with Hitler and Mussolini. 
As they did so, each of them was relating his greatest exploits to the other, trying to prove that he, and he alone, was the foremost agent of any fascist land. That sounds like a joke, Bob. I know, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and yeah, and then that, so and then a, a German, Italian, and Japanese walk into a plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Suddenly, the jagged hand of fate intervened. The plane was struck by a thunderbolt and spiraled downward. Strangely, one man staggered from the flaming wreckage, but it was neither the German, nor the Japanese, nor the Italian. It was an eerie new being, for the lightning had somehow miraculously merged three men into one entity. He had the intellect, the cunning, the cruelty of all three master spies. His face was horribly altered, too, so that he resembled none of them, nor anything human. So he covered it forever with a full mask to match his night-dark cloak. From that day forward, he has been Agent Axis. Since then, he has crisscrossed the world, serving first one Axis power, then another. But then he encountered you, Captain America, and you brought him low. Just want to point out, uh, so the artist put in here just just to make sure you knew he was a bad guy. Um, there's a picture of TNT, a bottle of poison, <laughs> and uh, some sort of explosion going on with uh, looks like a crane of some sort. Yep, message received, loud and clear. In many ways, Adolf Hitler was almost happy when this man, who did not owe him total allegiance, was captured. But then, recently, Monsieur, the spy called Agent Axis has escaped his American prison and requests to see you. That inhuman freak? He is insane. Mad. And there is no room for madmen in the Third Reich! <laughs> ja, Monsieur. Uh, how would you describe this picture of Adolf Hitler? I would describe it only half as scary. As how you just looked, uh, recreating that uh, that panel, uh, folks. You can't see it, but I, I can because we're on Zoom recording this, and and that uh, that was um, that was Oscar worthy right there. Well, thank you. <laughs> Send him away. No, wait. The very mention of him has just given me one of my strokes of genius. Send him in. Ja, my Führer. I have come to serve you for a time, Herr Hitler. I am honored, and I know precisely how your triple nature can best serve. Quickly, Hitler outlined his brainstorm. Go now, Agent Axis. Succeed, and you should be richly rewarded. I go to serve. Being as I am, I have no other life. Ha <laughs> ha! If he fails, at last I will be rid of him. But if he succeeds, I shall be free of my greatest enemies, and that shall be the least of my triumphs. And that is how Agent Access returned to the U.S. Okay, but if he's still at large, how does the FBI know all this, including what happened in Berlin? That is simple, Captain America. Observe. What? He's collapsing, like, like a puppet whose strings have been cut. 
which is just what he was, a human puppet under my hypnotic control. Agent Axis, I should have known. Then this was a setup? But why? And Bob, Agent mm. Axis, he's coming in. He's got a pistol in his right hand. What is he holding in his left hand? He's got Captain America's original heater shield. You mean the one that was just in Captain America comics number one? That's the one, Rick. The Fuhrer wants your shield to analyze it and create his own weapons of its indestructible material. How'd you get hold of that shield? The one I first used. I stole it, of course. But as feared, it has no special properties like the other. So I have been authorized to trade it. Plus a sizable amount of currency for, I think you already know what you and your Uncle Adolf can do with your offer access. Indeed I do. Thus you force me to blam, blam, blam. Did you really think I play sitting duck for you? Out of bullets. Madon! So you're multilingual now, are you? Anyway, my shield's made of a special substance you'll never know about. And it does a whole lot more than just deflect bullets. Like so. And the two of them go up against each other. And then he says something in Japanese, which I can't understand what it says. Like two masked juggernauts, they come together. But the vibrations of the impact resound through the lesser shield, causing the enemy spy to lose his balance. Yet, even as the hooded Nazi falls, good Lord, your grip stronger than I'd imagine. See, si, Cretino. That is because I am as strong as all three of the men I once was, and thus as powerful even as you. Die, Schweinhun! And he flips him. Dio mio, you still live? Apparently, you don't learn much more about me during our previous meeting than I did about you. But now I intend to find out. And I could tell you in three languages, but I choose to make my escape instead. Follow me if you dare. He starts running up uh, inside the Statue of Liberty. And it says, torch elevator out of order. Use stairway, please. Cap thinks to himself, better take it slow. He's had time to have a trap laid, me, laid for me up there. In fact, I'm starting to smell a rat this whole mission. Right from the word go. Moments later, Agent Axis stands defiantly atop the proud and beckoning torch of freedom. His Luger... Reloaded, he lifts his arms high, his cloak blowing in the night wind. In answer, there is a whirring of mighty blades, drawing closer by the second. And an, an, auto, an auto gyro, it might have been hovering nearby to provide a getaway for Axis if he failed. Probably more Nazi guns inside it too. But I'm ready for them. I brought up my original shield just to be on the safe side. And now... All I've got to do is hoist myself up to Miss Liberty's crown and use it for protection now that I've tossed my special shield at, good lord, it's swerving towards the gyroplane. There must be some sort of electromagnetic inside. It was a trap. Agent Axis had planned all along to, wait, now what in blazes is happening to me? I, I, I'm fading. Is this some new devilish stun of his? If Captain America could read comic book thought balloons, he'd know full well that it isn't. But since he can't, can you hear me, Axis? No matter what happens, I'll come back to retrieve my shield and smash you. This I swear. What? 
I'm in some kind of limbo, that torch. What are you doing here? What's going on? I wish I knew, Cap. I truly wish I knew. And perhaps you will know, Torch, but not just yet. Chapter four, Bob. Woo! Submariner. And this is art by Lee Elias and Frank Springer. Two down and one to go. So Prince Namor, the Submariner, might express in the colorful American vernacular he uses in the comic books of 1942, if not in real life. But not knowing the strange fates which have befallen the Human Torch in Captain America, he would not know how ironically he spoke. The Shark. What use could the Nazis possibly have for a minor criminal such as him? And there's a little uh, note here, Bob, that says, Due to wartime priorities, Namor is one and only encounter with a shark as a smuggler was not chronicled until Submariner number 23, which came out in 1947. Still, the rationale of the fastest is not my concern. There is the British freighter below, which according to our liaison officers, the shark has vowed to destroy. And since I can do no good from up here, I'll board the vessel herself. My flagship will hover nearby until I return to it. So he dives into the water. And then he's coming up uh, on the side of the ship, and, and there's some sailors that are uh, grabbing his hand to help him. No need to help me, servicemen. I could have even have flown aboard had I wished, but I wanted to renew my contact with the life-giving sea. Blimey! We've been expecting you, your highness, though the admiralty didn't tell us why. Must be because of the supplies we're carrying back to England, eh? Aye. Still, why would the shark have vowed to attack this particular ship? And it, no more than a regular freighter, which any U-boat might... What the sea devil? Identified small craft off the port, Captain, and it... And decorated with a shark's fin, it is. And it's just fired some kind of torpedo at us. Lord! Could this have been something to do with you were sent to, sent to us, your majesty? Aye, and quite timely was my arrival, apparently. We'll try to shoot it out. Wait, wait, you can't. You've not met me before, Captain. Little can you suspect what the true submariner can do. And he dives into the ocean to swim towards the torpedo. Our torpedo was a simple matter for me to... Triton's horn. The torpedo was shaped like a great metal shark. The colossal vanity of that misbegotten, well, since he's so proud of his self-proclaimed symbol, I shall simply turn it around and send it back to, and as he grabs it, Bob, he screams in agony because thousands of volts, enough to kill a surface-dwelling man. But, but what, kind of, what kind of noise did that, that make, that, that, that volt? Drack! <laughs> I know you're trying to get me in trouble, Rick. I know it. I know your game, man. Uh, but through neighbor's father was human, and his mother was a princess of a strange sub-Arctic race, and their hybrid son possesses powers far beyond either. Thus, he lives, though he is unconscious, as a torpedo now off its own volition and heads back towards its source. 
the unnamed freighter is long since out of sight when and and Submariner wakes up and he's in chains. Oh, my head. I chains. I'm in chains. And the trunks I'm wearing. What? I picked them out for you, Namor. The shark. Okay. So this next panel, we have the shark there. And the reason he's called the shark is his face has a long nose. He's got sharp teeth. And so he's got like his face points in the way a shark's face points. Bob, what's he holding? He's, uh, he's got uh, Namor's shorts, mm-hmm. his trunks. And uh, so he took Namor's trunks off mm-hmm. and he replaced them with other trunks. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're nice trunks. I feel violated, Bob, just <laughs> on behalf of Namor. <laughs> it just seems like a... See, it's a bit, I'm glad they did that off panel. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, I'm all, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Mm. Yeah. Precisely whom you expect to be hurling shark-shaped torpedoes from a shark-inspired ship. I'm amused at... Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amused that you and the military authorities actually believe I care that much about just one more British freighter. It was you I was after all along. And he's got two uh, uh, first mates behind him that are uh, equally equally unattractive. Yes, they're they're, uh, thick blockhead kind of muscle bound guys. You tell him, Skipper. Yeah, tell just as my colleagues, the hyena and Agent Axis, were in triumph after your fellow invaders. What's more, a coded message has just informed me your friends have vanished from the face of the earth. They don't take credit for that, however. What matters is they accomplished their missions. Mine was to acquire your unique trunks. I bet they were. (laughs) (laughs) To be analyzed by scientists of the Third Reich. Yeah, you go with that story, Shark. For we know they are made of such waterproof and pressure-resisting materials that if an army of Nazi frogmen could be equipped with suits made of it, they could attack any coastal city from U-boats far offshore. Now, you know, this is one of those instances where you really got to give Roy Thomas credit, right? Because this is a lot of effort to simply explain away Namor's shorts in Avengers 71. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. You know, I mean, it's, it's very convoluted, but Uh he's trying to, he's trying to close the loops, man. And that's not many writers would go to such lengths. No, they wouldn't. You know why, Bob? (laughs) Nobody cares? No, there's always got to be somebody who, who points it out. Oh, no, says, no. Oh, they've, but... they've gotten plenty of letters over the years of, hey, I noticed in this issue, somebody's sneaker doesn't look the same as it was in this <laughs> other. Like, I'm sure that, you know, they, they got it all the time. He knew, he knew back in 1977 that he was going to, you know, get guff for a story that he's trying to 
retcon back yeah. nine years. Uh, Fashion changes, man. That's, that could have been the answer right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't want to go off the reservation here, but like nobody, <laughs> I'm going to say it like, because I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> have you now? I have. I've been thinking about this all day and I'm like, well, nobody's like, like nobody's retcon in Bucky's hairdo. Right? Because we all know that in the invaders, Bucky's hair is different. But I've been thinking about this, Rick, and I'm thinking, what did my hair look like in 1977? And I can tell you, it looked a lot like Bucky's. I think mine did too. You know, and I think that suddenly, like, it never made sense to me about, like, why why was Bucky's hair that way in The Invaders? And I'm like, that's what every teenager's hairs look like in the 70s. And then it made sense who they're writing for, you know? I'm glad you were thinking about that all day, Bob. Yeah. What busy guy. So. so they're um they're pulling away in a in a boat, a shark shaped boat. Namor's tied up um by his uh these metal chains around his feet and around his his middle, you know, with his hands behind him. Now he's on the side of the boat, Bob. Right? Mm-hmm. Now one of the the issues with the submariner is uh, if you if he's if he's away from water for too long, right? He loses some of his strength. Yeah. If I'm a submariner and I'm on the side of a boat, I'm pretty sure I'd just be like, I'm going to roll over into the water. Right. Yeah. That's a very good point. Maybe he's uh, anchored in some way. Anchored. Hmm. Nice pun. Yeah. What did the other, what did they want with the other invaders? The Fuhrer, of course, has always been fascinated to learn the secret of Captain America's shield, its eerie invulnerability. He also learned that the human torch's blood recently enabled a young British woman to run at tremendous speeds. He foresees an army of such super speedsters, an army of infinite maneuverability. That is why we three were chosen. For we knew the allies would send you back here. Don't bother even trying, fish man. My rather dim-witted crew dried you thoroughly, and I know that severely weakens you. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> they dried him, Bob. They did. Gently. Incidentally, I, su- I supplied you with those trunks you wear because that is how certain comic book artists currently depict you. They've not been privileged to know you as well as I have. <laughs> Nobody, I don't think. <laughs> Nobody has been privileged as the shark has to know him as well as he has. No. So, yeah, here's Roy Thomas retconning this uh, to why Namor's shorts look different in Avengers 71 than they do in The Invaders. Because his pants were changed. Yeah. Well, let's face it. There's not a lot else that Namor carries it's that true. they can get from him. Mm. <laughs> he's got no, no shields, you know. They've got the blood from the human torch. So, what are they going to get from from the prince? His pants. His pants. Yeah. His short, short pants. And then Namor looks at one of the mates 
who's carrying a bucket of water, Bob. You ugly one. Huh? You called me ugly? I did, for that is what you are, even uglier than the master you serve. I am, huh? Well, you're all wet. Is that what you are, see? And he takes the the bucket and he splashes Namor. Joe, don't. That's just what he wants. And he snaps his chains because that bucket of water gave him strength, I guess. I, I don't know. Too late, land crawlers. Now, you can only hope there are no true sharks in these waters. While I deal with one who is far more evil than all the toothsome sharks that ever stalked the ocean floor. Those fools. I warned them not to. And he starts firing his Luger at Namor, but the bullets bounce. You know your gun will not harm me. What else am I supposed to do? Maybe if I hit some soft spot. I have no soft spot. Then I'm finished and... What? You're changing somehow. You're... You're disappearing, just like what they said happened to the other two. Pearls of Prohetus. But how? I, I didn't do anything that could have... Namor hears no more of the shark's words for the following instant. And there's Cap and Human Torch. Namor, you too? Captain America, Torch, how? Where? We've been drifting around here for several seconds now, Subby. And... And we have no more idea what's happened to us than when we suddenly got zapped here. As if some angry god grabbed us up, tossed us into limbo here, we hold a torch. Namor, maybe you don't know, may never know, just where we've been or how we got there. But I think we can all recognize just where we seem to be going. And Bob, where do they, where do they pop into? Well, I, you know, it looks like it's it, it. It looks like there's a big uh, gothic-looking building with it, but it has a swastika flag hanging out front of it—the Nazi flag. Yeah, we're materializing again in that building. What is it, Bob? It's the Louvre. That's right. It's the Louvre. We're in occupied Paris, and those mass figures in front of us—they don't seem to see us yet, but they must be Nazis. Maybe. Another breed of fastest superhero like the ones we've battled before. And what we're looking at here, Bob, is uh, Black Panther, Yellow Jacket, and the Vision. And if they are, this ought to make them run for cover. And he throws a fireball. And T'Challa says, Hank, look out. The flaming fireball coming from out of nowhere. Thanks, Panther. Who? And here we are, Bob. We're at chapter five, last chapter, Endgame, part two. And for those paying attention to what Bob said earlier, Endgame is the uh, was the name of Avengers seventy one. So now we're back to Frank Robbins' art, and the thanks to the nifty storytelling of Roy Thomas, we now know why. Captain America has his original shield and Submariner is wearing his dark tidy tights. I don't tidy, know. Tidy, tidy trunks. Yeah. 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 And uh, Human Torch says, not from nowhere, Nazi, but from the Human Torch. I don't know how you three brought us to Nazi land, 
But we'll fight our way back. You can bet on it. Cap. The Submariner and the first Android Torch. But as they were in 1941. And they don't know an Avenger from a Volkswagen. They only see their occupied Paris. So we must be Nazis. Question period later, Nazis. Right now, it's time for our battle cry. Okay, Axis, here we come. To which we can only reply, Avengers, assemble! Special note, if you've been a Marvel madman for less than eight years, you might be a wee bit confused right about now. But don't go away, because we'll get right back to you. And Cap is fighting against Black Panther. You're fast like the jungle cat, you copy but my shield is faster. And he smacks Black Panther. Wait, did he say we three are like we were in 41? Why? Of course, it's my shield. Somehow he knows it's, I only used it in, what the? He's even quicker than I thought. Who are these mass jokers anyway? And Black Panther does. He, he goes hurdles behind Captain America and flips Watch them, Captain America. They're full of Nazi tricks. No! We're no more Nazis than you are, Namor. No use. He won't listen. Yellow Jacket's firing at Namor. And then when Namor goes to, to punch him, he shrinks. You've shrunk to the size of the insect you resemble. You get a twenty-twenty on your eye test, Squinty. And while we're on the subject of my six-legged friends, here are enough of them to keep you busy for a while. By the way, I like you better when you talk with contractions. What do you think that meant, Bob? Um, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Got me, man. Maybe he talked differently in, in this, the pages of the Avengers back then. I don't know. I don't know. That's just very, very odd. So all these bees start swimming around Namor. Talk sense, you smirking little ah bees. Enough of them to pierce, pierce even my hybrid hide. But when they're finished, Nazi, so are you. So then we have Human Torch going up against the Vision. Now, here's an interesting thing. Speaking of retcons, mm -hmm. it was in the pages of the Avengers West Coast. I think it was, it was art by John Byrne. I don't know who was writing at that time, was it? I don't know who it was, a Roger Stern? I can't remember. But it was revealed that the Vision's android body mm -hmm. was the original Human Torch. That's right. I so this, that. So this is interesting because here it is, I don't know, 10, 12 years before that retcon. Mm -hmm. um, and you have the Human Torch and Vision fighting each other. Wow. I'll echo those tender sentiments, Fishman. By the way, my red-faced friend, don't bother trying to fight fire with fire. And I have an equal amount of advice for you, Torch. I am as much an android as you, but I am one you cannot touch. Flaming fireballs streaked right through them. But what's strangest is, I don't know how we got here or why. And then you see Cap and Black Panther fighting. A penny for him, Tabby. Now, I was just 
wishing I had my disc-shaped shield. Back and forth, the seesaw battle sways. And so when the next moment, a hurtling submariner barely misses obliterating his own particular foeman, one side beats a tactical retreat. And you have the Panther, Black Panther in um, Yellow Jacket running away. Good going, Yellow Jacket. Now we've got them in the perfect position. What are you talking about, Panther? You'll see. It concerns the vision. And because the three of them were all lined up, Bob, the vision now goes through them all. It was a trap. Those two lined us up and then, oh, I did it, flew through them, becoming just solid enough to cause an unbearable strain on their bodies. I couldn't have done it if they had known as much about the Avengers as we know about the fabled invaders. What matters, Vision, is that by the grace of God, we won. Won? What the devil are you talking about, Bugman? I? Did you truly think you defeated the invaders so easily? Good Lord, they're staggered, but, but they're getting back on their feet. No matter, by the rules of the game, we have won simply by downing them for an instant. I'll ask you characters one more time. What do you mean, won? This wasn't any game we were playing. But it was, invaders. Please, let me explain. You better and fast. So Yellow Jacket goes on to explain, We three belong to an American superhero group more than two decades in the future called the Avengers. We were sent here to battle you as part of a cosmic chess game between two super baddies named Kang and the Grandmaster. You three were grabbed to be the Grandmaster's team. Only he evidently didn't bother to tell you. Don't trust them, invaders. Look, if you so-called Avengers are really on the level, you could prove it by telling us what the future holds in store for us. Yes, we could, Cap. So, start spilling. You wouldn't believe it, any of you. I... Wait, something's happening to you. What? I don't... He's right. It must be the work of Kang pulling us back to the 40th century. Keep him flying. Then farewell, evaders, and they're gone. Do you, really, do you think they were really? I'd bet yes, Torch. But right now, eyes right, guys, because we've got company. Guess we were making too much noise to go unnoticed. And just then a pack of German soldiers come up to start firing at, uh, at the invaders. For myself, I am glad at last we fight foes we know are Nazis. A foe I can truly hate. But, ev but evidently not for long, Wingfoot. Was in Himmel? We are fading, just like the others. Then they were telling the truth, after all. And then the three invaders go before the Grandmaster. And he's they're all floating while he's this big image hanging over them. They were invaders. Look, it must be the one they call the Grand Master. I, still, even such as I, may make mistakes. For had I informed you of your purpose when I called you for my cosmic game, you might well have won for me. Speaking of games, big man, we were playing a few of our own with some of our own enemies when we were rudely interrupted. So how about 
you were a brusque earthling, but not unjustified. Thus, since you fought well for me, I shall return you to the year 1942, to both your own destinies and those of others. All right, so we're we're back to um, the little speedboat shaped like a shark. And on there, uh, we have the shark talking with um, the hyena and uh, Agent Axis. And hyena's like, ha, 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 this boat of yours is a wonder, shark. Thanks, hyena. No Coast Guard cutter can possibly overtake us before we rendezvous with the U-boat, which will take us to our richly deserved reward in Fortress Europa. Don't know what happened to those costume clowns who fell into our traps, but at least I can meet the Fuhrer using Namor's trunks as my personal flag. While the human torches android blood might soon create an army of superpowered stormtroopers. Ha ha ha! Bah! I find both your presumptuous attitudes offensive. The true prize of this mission is Captain America's shield. My dear Agent Axis, there's surely no need to... Shark, look! Over there to the left. You mean port, you giggling oaf. I No! That streak in the water, traveling too fast to be a torpedo. It can't be. But it is, you Nazi filth. And there's Namor coming out of the water to punch the shark. The submariner comes to claim his rightful revenge. And his trunks. <laughs> <laughs> his rightful trunks. Yeah. But how he vanished, the shark said, just like we did, right, scavenger? Up there. Don't bother, creeps, because we're coming down. Blast you, Axis. Why did you yield to the temptation to give that fool back his original shield? How was I to know they would find us again, coming out of the sky? No excuses. Just keep firing. Yep. And then Human Torch throws a flame ball and it ricochets off Cap's circular shield that Agent Axis is holding. Yep, that's your shield, all right, Cap. Not a fake. And neither are my flaming fists. And he goes up and he punches the hyena. There goes my blood sample overboard. Good riddance. You'll not capture Agent Axis if you want your shield so badly. Take it. And he hurls it at Cap. So now you're an apprentice shield slinger, are you? Well, it takes long months of practice to get really good at it, as I'm sure you just realized. And he catches it and throws it back and hits Agent Axis. And then Namor's coming out of the water holding the shark. Welcome back, Namor. Got your man and your pants, I see. But do we see, Bob? Because Namor is half submerged in the water. We really don't see him. You know, but he's not amused. Yeah, he's a... I see no need for levity, Captain America. But Human Torch says, but I see a need for a good bailing bucket. One of my fireballs must have burned a hole in the shark's little toy boat. It's sinking. And Namor goes and uh, ties to the front of the boat. He takes the, uh, the cord, puts it in his mouth. And then he, he dives. Calm yourselves. I can easily tow it and its murderous crew to shore. And he's swimming with that in his mouth, towing the, the shark boat. 
Great. But since they were headed out to sea, they must have been expecting a U-boat to pick them up. I see a U.S. destroyer in the distance. This flare will spotlight the Nazi sub for it. He fires into the sky. Nice going, Torch. After all, it's the Army and Navy they'll have to win this man's war. All we can do is pitch in where we can. And so we shall, while we live. Whether it goes to destroyer after the U-boat. Hey, Cap, why so somber all of a sudden? I was just thinking about those future guys. The Avengers, they call themselves. If I'm still around and kicking when they open up shop in a decade or two, I hope they won't mind an old warhorse applying for membership. Of course, by then, all this will probably seem like some crazy dream, if I remembered it at all. Interesting comment there, Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's almost like some foreshadowing. What a great story, huh? It is foreshadowing because it's like Avengers 4 when, you know, uh-huh. they talk about how Cap doesn't recognize Namor because, you know, he's just getting out of the ice and he's kind of delirious and the two of them don't really recognize each other and right right so this is kind of like rascally roy's way of saying oh well you know maybe they won't remember seeing each other is when they first meet yeah and plus he was wearing a different pair of shorts yeah of course i mean that would totally throw me off oh <laughs> uh, what a treat what a treat this uh this annual is and it ends with a little note that says, thus ends this year's premiere, Invaders Annual, but follow the greatest superheroes of World War II in their own monthly Marvel mag, and we hope and pray that the closest anyone ever comes to the hell that men call war. Roy, Frank, and Frank. So I have a copy of this book, uh, Rick, and uh, it's one of my favorites. You know, it's not an expensive book to own, uh, but to me, uh, the Schomburg cover and then just the interior uh, art by by Schomburg, uh, Rico and Elias is just such a treat. Um, it just really takes you back. Uh, and it's done. It's done. It's, it's just so nostalgic. Uh, and yet they all work together so nicely uh, with Robinson Springer's work. Yeah, it did. It did seem to flow very well, even though that the art was different. It all had a kind of a similar feel to it, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Bob. Well, that was fun. Um, I hope uh, the listeners out there who have been clamoring for an invader story, I hope that um, uh, satiated those those needs uh mm-hmm. and we had fun going over it and we certainly won't be the last time we'll go back to the invaders uh i promise you in 2022 yeah speaking of um future stories um time to talk about next episode bob mm-hmm. uh we have coming up in our podcast calendar uh next episode will be 63 um if you're listening to it when it debuts on Wednesday, because new new episodes come out every Wednesday, it'll be coming out December 22nd, which is just a you know mere days before Christmas, um, and certainly smack in the middle of the holiday season. Um, so, what better story to do than 
Captain America 292, which is titled An American Christmas. And it, uh, it came out in 1983. It was just a couple of issues right after um, the end of Mike Zeck's run on Captain America. Uh, you may recall uh, DeMatteis, J.M. DeMatteis, was still writing the series at that time. Um, and a new penciler came on board, Mr. Paul Neary, who who was uh, on the series for, for a little while. Um, and issue 292 is his first issue uh, on the Captain America series. So, um, yeah, it would be uh, would be a good story. It's it's not quite. Um, I'll give you a, hint, a little hint for those who can't remember um, what it was about. It stars a new character called the Black Crow. So yes. hopefully that'll ring some bells there for you. But we'll do that. An American Christmas in the next episode. All right. That sounds like a like that's a great choice. Yep. Well, Bob, as always, I've had so much fun wrapping cap with you. Yeah, and I have, as always, been amazed at the range of your voices. <laughs> you've, done, you've done well, my friend. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you've been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Thank you.